This is World Lutheran News Digest, an audio news magazine bringing you a look at significant events in worldwide Lutheranism. WLN Digest is produced through the facilities of Worldwide KFUO, a broadcast ministry of the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. Today on World Lutheran News Digest... I'm World Lutheran News Digest host Kip Allen. Religious organizations have always been involved in protecting children, especially when it comes to foster care and adoption. The services offered by faith-based organizations is often superior to that of state-run child welfare agencies. The religious organizations regard care of children to be a sacred duty. Also, many childless couples seek to adopt children from agencies that reflect their faith. However, parentless children are finding themselves used as a weapon by LGBT and secular forces seeking to prevent faith-based groups from participating in foster care or adoption. They claim that groups that decline to place children with same-sex couples are practicing hateful discrimination. They've successfully lobbied in several jurisdictions to bar state and local contracts with faith-based foster care and adoption agencies. This overloads an already overburdened governmental agency to the detriment of parentless children. But there is a movement, both in the states and at the federal level, to protect religious agencies and the children in their care. I speak with Family Research Council's Travis Weber about the situation on today's World Lutheran News Digest. And now, today's Fast Track. President Donald Trump spoke to hundreds of pro-life advocates at a national gala last night sponsored by the Susan B. Anthony List. He talked about the pro-life accomplishments during his administration and promised to continue putting pro-life values first and foremost during his tenure as president. President Trump talked about the decision he made during his first week in office to sign a measure defunding the international Planned Parenthood abortion business and restoring the Mexico City policy that prohibits taxpayer funding of groups that promote or perform abortions in other countries. He also talked about his recent decision to defund Planned Parenthood of its $60 million that it receives via Title X family planning funding. A group of California college students gathered together on Monday to demand that the state assembly accept and pass a bill that would mandate all public universities offer free abortions to any student in their health clinics. The students came from 14 different universities, including University of California, Berkeley, University of California, Los Angeles, Cal State University, Fresno, Humboldt State, and Mills College. The rally comes after California Senate approved the bill on January the 29th, requiring the state's public universities and colleges to offer abortion drugs at their health centers. The bill requires the state's community colleges and public universities also provide women with abortion pills up to 10 weeks of pregnancy so they don't have to travel to get the pills. If signed into law, the bill would not take effect until the year 2020, but would also require that California's public university health centers that don't already offer abortion pills provide transportation to an abortion facility or to arrange an abortion for students requesting the procedure. The state's health centers already provide reproductive services like birth control, condoms, and STD testing. 
California Attorney General Xavier Vaquera on Monday filed an appeal of a Riverside County Superior Court judge's ruling last week holding that lawmakers illegally used a special session in 2015 to pass an assisted suicide law. As a result of the appeal, the 4th District Court of Appeal will decide next on the state's highly controversial law, which has been in litigation since signed into law by Governor Jerry Brown. The World Organization of the Scout Movement promotes the use of condoms and alcohol for attendees in its health and safety guidelines for next year's 24th World Jamboree, which will be held in West Virginia. The guidelines require that host organizations ensure that condoms are readily and easily available for all participants and staff at a number of locations at the site. World Liquor News Digest will be back right after these messages. Listening to Worldwide KFUO on the go with your smartphone doesn't mean you have to walk around with earbuds all day. You can Bluetooth across the room to a speaker system in your home or listen on radios that have built-in smartphone cradles. There are many easy ways to listen to WorldwideKFUO.org on the air, online, and on demand. We proclaim the clear gospel message of Christ crucified for our sins. The messenger of good news, Worldwide KFUO. If you have a question or comment for us at Worldwide KFUO, it's easy to contact us on our website, kfuoam.org. On our homepage, click on Contact Us, where you'll find a map and directions to the station, our telephone numbers, and an online contact form. You can also send an email to our in-studio account, kfuo at kfuo.org. We'd be happy to hear from you today. Thanks for listening to Worldwide KFUO, the messenger of good news. Hi, I'm Pastor Ted Lesh, pastor at Chapel of the Cross Lutheran Church in North St. Louis County, inviting you to listen to our KFUO radio worship broadcasts on Sunday evenings at 6 o'clock. Active worship, preaching, music, and singing are part of every one of our services at Chapel. Join us Sunday nights at 6. It's one more broadcast worship opportunity for you from your friends at Chapel of the Cross and KFUO Radio. This is World Lutheran News Digest. The work that here we long as Lutheran Firehawa. Well, we've got an important issue to discuss. Uh, something called the Child Welfare Provider Inclusion Act. What is the act, and why is it so needed? Sure. So this is legislation that's been introduced at the federal level in both the House and the Senate, and in several states, and has actually already been passed in other states and. Um, it's needed to protect the freedom of adoption providers to continue to operate consistent with their religious tenets. Um, there have been a number of providers that have operated for years, and only now are they under attack from those who want to force them to violate their religious tenets by placing children uh, in a way inconsistent with their religious beliefs. So to protect them, um, we need legislation that will help protect the status quo, keep the maximum number of providers in the marketplace, which is ultimately the best thing for uh, adoptive children and families who want to adopt. Well, we know that there are hundreds of thousands of children in foster care facilities throughout the country. Why would anyone object to an agency placing a family, placing children with a Christian family? Yeah, I mean, this is a good question, right? And 
And, uh, you know, I think uh, if we ask them, they would say, well, uh, you know, uh, providers working with the government uh, should uh, be forced, uh, required by law, to to um, place children with all sorts of families and um, basically force every agency to act the same way in this regard. Uh, unfortunately, that fails to recognize the unique role that religious providers have historically played in caring for children and families. Their religious faith is the very thing which motivates them to want to be involved in this space and help care for these children who need families. So if you're going to force them to violate that, uh, you're forcing them to violate the very thing which, which motivates their, their uh, service ethic and reason for even being in the space. I think it's a very short-sighted and wrong approach, and uh, you're going to end up forcing out-of-the-marketplace providers because they're not going to violate their beliefs. Uh, you're going to force them out. You're going to have less agencies who can help place these children and help potential families. And so I really think this is a wrong approach, but unfortunately there are um, uh, activists out there who want to force these religious providers to violate their faith. Well, for example, in the city of Philadelphia recently, uh, the city put out a, a call for something like a, a need for like 300 more additional foster families. And then the same week, decided to cancel its contracts, or at least uh, put them on hold, with Catholic Charities and with uh, Bethany, who are the two largest religious providers of foster care and placement within that state. Yeah, I mean, I mean this is a very inconsistent action by the city of Philadelphia. Uh, they've suspended these two uh, charities, and... Um, you know, are supposedly looking into them uh, for uh, potential discrimination, as they put it. You know, a lot of this is phrased. We, we hear things like, um, uh, you know, no LGBT family should be forced, uh, uh, should be prevented from adopting. That's not what's, That's not happening here, though. That's not happening in the context of protecting uh, religious providers operating consistent with their faith, because there are still plenty of providers happy to place children with families, LGBT families, um, uh, where two men or two women are married to each other. So those families have agencies to work with. In Philadelphia, these two agencies have been suspended, but what we often fail to hear is that there are 24 still in operation. So two of the 24 have been suspended, or two of the 26 have been suspended. You've got 24 still operating. Anyone can go to those agencies. Anyone can adopt kids. So there's no good reason to force out the religious providers. The only reason that you would force them out is to impose an ideology on them, forcing them to violate their beliefs, inconsistent with their beliefs, and preventing them, ultimately, from doing the good service they've already done. Well, my understanding also is that if a gay couple comes to Catholic Charities or to Bethany or to Lutheran Family Services, we'll say we can't help you, but this agency or the state can. We'll actually yeah. refer them. Yes, yeah, and th this is important, too, because it shows that in a society that's you know, we now have conflicting cultural beliefs, and we always have had, you know, conflicting ideals and philosophies kind of motivating um, the worldview of different members of society, but this conflict has brought this into sharp relief, right? So you have to have a way then, how do you navigate these differences? Well, this is the way you navigate them. When, when someone says, I have a religious objection to that, I don't want to be a part of it, but here, you can get what you need or what you want from this other person. It's a perfect way to honor 
and respect the government being able to provide to that LGBT family what they need, what they're looking for from someone who does not have a religious objection, yet at the same time you honor the religious objection and religious faith of the, the person that does not want to be a part of this. And this goes for a number of the religious freedom conflicts we're seeing now in the context of marriage, uh, grants and contracts with the government, including uh, these adoption agencies working with the government. This is an important point, an important part of this puzzle, because it helps us see that these people seeking their religious freedom to be protected, who are looking for that to be protected, are willing to work with and respect people who are trying to achieve a, a provision from the government. They just don't want to be forced to be a part of it. So that's a very reasonable approach. And unfortunately, many on the other side want to force these religious providers to violate their faith. They're not happy with this reasonable approach and reasonable outcome. Well, religious organizations have always discriminated in terms of placing. And by discriminate, I mean there's certain criteria to be met. For example, Catholic Charities, Lutheran, Lutheran Family uh, and Children's Services would not place to an unmarried heterosexual couple. They have to be married, and it's always been that way. So far as I know, there have not been any complaints about that, certainly nothing like we've seen with the LBGT uh, complaints. Yeah, I mean, I do think um, uh, when these issues pop up in the news now, there's often a failure to recognize the, the long history of, of uh, the organizations living out its beliefs and the way that's played out in different scenarios. And I... I point this out in my analysis of the Child Welfare Provider Inclusion Act, which people can find, by the way, at frc.org slash adoption. It's, it's a breakdown of the legislation and why it's needed. And in that, I, I make the point that these organizations have had a long history of living out their faith. You have different groups operating differently. Some might place with, with a single person. Some might not because of their religious beliefs animating how they view the situation. Uh, a number of them have have all sorts of requirements uh, to to um, to meet before before the, the, the person will for the work with someone to place the children, such as being married for a certain number of years, uh, and and not you know this not being a multi, uh, a subsequent marriage for people. The point is that religious organizations can decide for themselves who they're going to work with. You have and you have plenty of organizations with differing views, but. The marketplace sorts this out, and the adoption space and the providers looking to help kids sort this out. That's the real point here, and that's really what we want to focus on. Well, not only uh, are the kids being hurt, but but we're actually restricting, I think, uh, some parents who actually want to get into it. Many, I know, uh, for example, with Lutheran uh, Family Services, we have many Lutheran families who want to adopt a child from a Lutheran organization. They want to bring them up in our faith. And... You know, this is if they don't have the option of doing that, they're going to be out of the market. Yeah, no, this is very true. This is a key point because what we hear about from the LGBT advocates is that these religious freedom protections result in less kids being adopted, in families being turned away. It's not true. Uh, the, the, the legislation turns no one away, it just protects and keeps the maximum number of organizations in the marketplace. So this is good because it'll maximize those helping kids actually helps achieve more adoptions and we've got thousands of kids waiting to be adopted around the country and and adoption rates are falling we need more in the marketplace number one secondly and this is what you pointed out you've got many families who want to work with an agency that shares their faith and whatever that is whether catholic evangelical protestant lutheran etc 
and they should have the freedom to do that. Uh, they should have the freedom to, to, to agencies should have the freedom, the family should have this freedom. And you're ultimately going to only hurt the kids more because you're going to exclude potentially adoptive parents, potential adoptive parents from the marketplace if they know, hey, I can't work with any agency that agrees with me on this. I'm just not going to adopt. You know, we can't quantify this precisely at this point, but we know it's a risk. You're ultimately only going to hurt kids. The risk is only uh, that, that the, the, the number of kids not adopted will increase. Uh, there's no positive to, to potentially forcing out these families. I, I can't think of any positive aspect of that. So uh, these are two big points about what the legislation, uh, what it would accomplish and how it would help place the maximum number of children uh, with adoptive families. Well, in fact, I think we've got some numbers actually supporting this. A number of states and jurisdictions have actually ruled against or have pro- prohibited faith-based agencies from contracting because of the LBGT, uh, LBGTQ issue. And those jurisdictions have actually seen problems in adoptions, where the adoption rate has actually dropped rather dramatically. Yeah, yeah. Now, now we can't tie the... the, the um, uh, and you're talking, of course, about uh, Massachusetts, San mm-hmm. Francisco, the District of Columbia, and Illinois, which have all four jurisdictions have excluded uh, organizations from, for, who want to not place children with same-sex, uh, same-sex couples, and we know that this has forced Catholic charities out of the adoption space in those four places. Now, also in those four places, we know that the number of children awaiting adoption has has uh, in the same time frame after the agencies have been short have been uh, forced out. Number of children waiting for the adoption in in Massachusetts remains in the thousands. We're looking at um, over two thousand children waiting for adoption per year in that state after they forced out agencies willing to help place children. Right. This is what I want to focus on. You've got clearly. Regardless of the specific link and exact cause of the kids being uh, waiting for adoption, you've got thousands of children waiting for adoption. Meanwhile, you're forcing out agencies who could help place them for adoption. It makes no sense. Philadelphia is walking down this dangerous road right now, and it's a real problem. Well, not just that. Religious uh, adoption groups have, have traditionally uh, been very active in placing uh, special care, special needs children, much more so than the state agencies have been. Yeah, another another point. Uh, when we think about the risk and the harm that will arise when you force religious groups out of the, the marketplace, not only are you going to exclude uh, groups that can help place kids, not only are you going to exclude groups which parents are going to look to and want to work with, and when they can't, they're not going to be interested in adopting, but you're excluding groups that are especially good working with difficult to place children. And who's going to care for these children? We need to place children in, in the maximum number of families possible and um, place the maximum number of children with a family who are waiting in the foster care system. And you're only going to end up with more of these difficult-to-place children in the system when you force out the groups that are good at placing and working with them. I know on Facebook, I'm in a number of discussion groups, uh, and one group is particularly discussing this issue right now, and uh, on the, a number of the gay participants in that are, are adamant that uh, somehow the, this, is, uh, this is against gays, this is something to outlaw them, to outlaw their adoption processes, and there, there's really a, a, a visceral hatred almost I've, I've seen in some of the messages, something like, well, yeah, you're just using a religion to uh, hide your discrimination or your hate of us. 
Yeah, how, how, how do we counter this? Yeah, this is the, we have to recognize the problem, which is really a failure to understand what religious belief is. And speaking specifically of the Christian faith, yeah, I'll just focus on that. The Christian faith informs a whole, uh, a holistic approach to life, a whole ethic uh, facing, you know, dealing with a number of issues. One of those issues is sexuality. Within the area of sexuality, uh, Christian faith informs a number of different ways in which we approach that topic. Only one of those ways is the issue of homosexual conduct, homosexual activity. So when LGBT activists look at this and say religion is an excuse, it really fails to understand where religion is. It skips over the, the, the whole host of areas in which the Christian faith informs one's life. It skips over the whole host of areas in which the Christian faith informs the topic of human sexuality. And it's just a misunderstanding. Now, people need to be willing to, to say, people need to be willing to approach this and say, well, am I misunderstanding this? How can I properly and better understand it? If they're not willing to do that, clarifying, providing the truth is not going to be much help. But that's all we can do is say, look, this is the truth. Please understand this correctly. People may still disagree with that, but it will help them understand what religion is. And unfortunately, at least in the discussion, the public discussion that appears in the press, we often see the claim that religion is excuse. You know, it... it First of all, that's wrong. Second, it makes no sense. So why would someone use religion as an excuse and face hatred, social hostility? In many cases, people are receiving death threats for uh, their religious belief. There's a pastor in Michigan whose beliefs on sexuality and, and, and work he was doing with his church, he faced death threats. Why would someone go through that? They didn't really believe what they believe. I mean, so the claim doesn't make sense. We need to help clarify this. And just then speak to everyone who wants to be reasonable, everyone who wants to understand the truth, everyone who wants to listen, and that's all we can do. Well, regrettably, I think we live in a very polarized society today. I know it's, uh, in my lifetime, I can't recall seeing it quite this sharp. Yeah, it is unfortunate, and it calls for uh, speaking clearly and firmly on the truth, doing so with grace and love, always seeking to reach the other, to, to, um, to help uh, explain oneself to the other, to the other person who may disagree, and um, really go above and beyond to to um, to reach across and explain one's beliefs, explain where one is coming from. And look, at that point, some are still going to reject uh, reject um, what we're saying and reject uh, a a position of of tolerance, pluralism. Uh, but um, we have to go above and beyond and try to, to reach all who will be reasonable, all we can reach, in explaining, look, this is what we, we just desire to sincerely live out. Our faith, we believe these things to be true, but we desire to live them out in peace with people who disagree with us, and that's um, how we have to approach this issue, firmly explaining the truth, but doing so with tact and with love. Well, regrettably, we're seeing uh, situations now where uh, in, in states and certain jurisdictions that have passed so-called non-discrimination in terms of the adoption agencies and the, the, the faith-based agencies, not just Christian, Jewish, Islam as well, are faced with the position either of violating their very basically held tenets or just getting out of it completely and, st- and to stop helping these children. Yeah, and, and this is, again, this is the, the issue of why we need the Child Welfare Provider Inclusion Act at the federal and state level. 
and, and we ultimately need those who are affected by the, these dynamics and uh, cultural struggles to speak up and and defend their freedom and their place in the public square. Uh, there are going to be many people affected by this push to to uh, suppress and marginalize historic Christian teaching on sexuality. And uh, right now, it's it's happening in the adoption space. We need to defend the, the, the place of all in the public square. That's what the Child Welfare Provider Inclusion Act does. If we don't do that, there's only, only going to be continued momentum excluding the historic Christian belief and view on these issues from public legitimacy, from being able to occupy a, a, a space in the public square, which includes working with governments to place children in foster care. Well, um, it must be defended. Well, now the act has been uh, introduced into the House by Representative Mike Kelly of Pennsylvania and into the Senate and into the Senate by Senator Mike Enzi of Wyoming. But it was introduced almost a year ago, and I don't see on the uh, congressional side where there's been much action taken on this. Yeah, this is something we're continuing to, at FRC. It's one of our priorities, and we're uh, working with our partners to make sure that this is given attention and and um, uh, and passed by the House and the Senate. And um, and and signed by the president. I mean, this is a, a a core religious freedom priority of ours right now, and um, we're going to continue working on that front. What can we do to put pressure on our lawmakers to act on this? Well, um, you, people can call their elected officials and let them know that they support the Child Welfare Provider Inclusion Act, and uh, that they would like their elected officials to support this for. All the reasons that I've stated, if, if enough people do that, I think we'll see movement on this. Well, Mr. Weber, we're wrapping up on uh, time here, and I'd like to conclude by asking you to provide some more information about FRC, how people can get in touch with you, and how they can specifically see the report that you have written and get more information on the Child Welfare Provider Inclusion Act. Sure. So they can go to our website, frc.org. You can find all about our organization, our issues there, including religious freedom. If they go to frc.org slash adoption, that's where you can see the publication that uh, that I've written on this, uh, the briefing paper on the Child Welfare Provider Inclusion Act, ensuring a free marketplace of adoption providers, elaborating on a lot of what we've talked about today. And obviously on our site, they can find resources on a number of different issues pertaining to life issues, marriage and family, and religious liberty, which we cover at FRC. Absolutely. I want to thank you very much for being on the program, and thank you for your efforts in FRC as well. Thanks for having me on. God bless. World Lutheran News Digest may be heard every Wednesday at 2.30 p.m. and again at 9.30 a.m. Saturday Central Time on Worldwide KFUO. It may also be heard anytime streaming online at kfuo.org. Join us again next Wednesday for another new edition of World Lutheran News Digest. I'm your host, Kip Allen. World Lutheran News Digest is a broadcast ministry of the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. WLN Digest is produced through the facilities of Worldwide KFUO. You can also listen to WLN Digest on demand at kfuo.org. To correspond with World Lutheran News Digest, email news at kfuo.org.